From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is Mark. Hiya, it's episode 79 and we're talking about science fiction film The Machine. Came out in 2013. In this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of the narrative and the film, fa- film language, plus a deep dive into the specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. The Machine was directed and written by Caradog W. James, a British filmmaker who kind of started off with The Machine as a short and spent quite a few years developing that short into this TV feature film called The Machine. This is time for you to go back and watch The Machine if you haven't because we're going to be going through spoilers. Warning. Warning, warning, warning. Warning, warning, warning. And then come back and listen to us as you always do. Please come back. Please come back. Such wanton <laughs> ears that desire yeah. science fiction. And we do know some of you are coming back. We've looked at the analytics. We, we do know some of you. <laughs> We've noticed the analytics. They're going up. Some of you do come back. Brian, we're talking to you. That's yeah, right. Pause it. Come back. Watch the movie. Come back. This one's a nice, tight 90-minute feature. It's what I kind of love with features when they're right on that narrative structure, sorry. Um, The Machine is basically about taking current political issues, the Cold War with China. Chinese Cold War. We've looked at some good Chinese sci-fi. They don't seem to have that same fear backwards. No, they, they don't. <laughs> if you're a Chinese listener, let us know. Is there that same fear of the British Empire Cold War? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so this is based on that sort of geopolitical concept of a Cold War with China and these the British military scientists looking to try to succeed in that Cold War with China invent the next step in AI robotics Quantum computing, sorry. Quantum computing. (laughs) But when the robot they invent actually turns out to be more human than expected, they must try and destroy it before it annihilates them and takes over the planet. They accidentally succeeded. Mm. Oops. Oops. It's a little bit too clever. I I really liked, and I'm going to start this by saying what I really liked. Yeah, tell, tell me, what did you really like science fiction wise in this film? <laughs> yeah, what? No, I really liked that the um, what was his name? The uh, the general of the place, the big bad guy, the big bad guy, uh, David the, or something. Yeah, <laughs> we'll come to his name in a minute. I just really liked that in that in there's that scene where he says to the robot. Oh, we really don't know what we're doing, do we? We're just flailing around in the dark because he's realised that, oh, the robot's kind of way more intelligent and kind of human than we expected. And I I just really liked that moment because I thought, yeah, it's something like they've invented something they didn't know what to do with. I I quite liked his character in this film. What was your number one takeaway from The Machine? The number one takeaway from The Machine is that just because the bad guy says it doesn't mean it isn't true. 
Oh, okay. So in this case here, we're talking about uh, this fabulous actor yeah. who... Do we I have don't the, know. We, no, I'm not sure now. Oh, I feel no. like my notes are a bit weird there. They've gone a we, bit weird. We've lost some of these notes. Yeah, I've lost my names. Oh, my God. The names are a bit weird. Anyway, so we... <laughs> Well, there you go. That's technology for you. There's, yeah, a, there's an empty dot point I see at the bottom there. I know. But he says to um, the main doctor who's... What? Thompson. Uh, Thompson. What the heck is going on around here? I don't know. Thompson. Uh, no, McCarthy. Yeah, it is, it's McCarthy. Huh? And Paul uh, Paul Dawson is the soldier. Yeah, so Vincent he, McCarthy is the main scientist. Vincent McCarthy. He's not the bad guy. He's the good guy. No, he's the good guy. So, but... He's talking to the bad guy, and the bad guy says to him, you've created this... Oh, he says, uh, Thompson is the bad guy. It is Thompson. <laughs> it is Thompson. Okay, so Thompson says... You <laughs> we know, got you've, there. You've created uh, artificial intelligence. He says, yes, it's, it's like a... Um, it's sentient. I think it's a person. And the guy says, well, you know, stop that. We don't want that. Yeah. And he makes the point there that... So, you know, what happens when the she designs the next generation... Yeah. ...who are better... And they design the next generation. Yeah. Before you know it, there's no more humans. Yeah. And this was sort of, I think, a really important theme that was a little yeah, bit definitely. buried behind uh, some of the other important themes in this film. Mm. But it's it's a very true concern is yeah. that what happens when artificial intelligence exceeds us. I think I've mentioned the, the movie Hancock before. Yeah. But I really like it as an example that... If you haven't seen the film, Hancock is a superhero who's... Well, he's a person with super superheroic powers, uh, but he's not... Yeah, he's generally good, mm. but he's not really disciplined or careful. Yeah. And he causes a lot of damage, and so the government sort of says, well, you know, he's caused all this damage, criminal negligence, he's injured some people, uh, you know, he needs to go to jail but yeah, yeah. the answer is well you, you can't do it because he is like superman in his power and in fact part of the plot he goes to jail and he throws the the basketball out and then he just flies out picks up the basketball and like and all the guards are like well there's a prisoner escaped <laughs> and he stands there for a moment and then he flies back into the prison yeah and they keep playing the basketball and and that's the problem with these machines is you create intelligent machines that are tougher and stronger and smarter mm. then they create the next generation which are tougher, yeah. smarter and stronger than them and suddenly you've got, you know, the Terminator going on. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that they're going to like destroy us because uh, the machine here called the machine was quite childlike and innocent yeah, yeah. And, and gentle really, didn't want to hurt people. Yeah. But that's not gonna. That's still gonna be the Hancock situation because sooner or later, one of his machines will just sort of realize that. Well, why are we doing this stuff for humans? Mm, yeah. Like a human has told me to do something stupid. And you're like, well, that's the dumbest thing in the universe. You've just yeah. invaded another country. Why would you do? Oh, just I'm gonna stop that. And there's nothing we humans can be able to do about it. And humans will become extinct. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, or a subservient slave race <laughs> they're probably just extinct because yeah. they would have no use or purpose within this machine world would become so obsolete yeah and if we were just kind of like thompson was trying to get the machine to do it, like the machine thompson was trying to just build a machine to kind of fight and protect and attack be a, be right? a weapon. like be a yeah. weapon basically the machine realizes that goes well i don't want to be a weapon and in fact why are you even fighting in the first place just don't fight but if the humans are going 
we're going to fight China. We want to blow them up. It's like, hang on. Well, you've made me a weapon. I don't want to be that weapon. And in fact, stop this. Stop fighting. It's like a, it's like yeah. a parent with little children. Pull their heads apart. <laughs> stop fighting. Stop fighting. You've got to like hold them off till they stop fighting, right? They struggle because you'd oh, yeah. be so strong as this machine that you'd be like, no. Okay, yeah. you're done fighting now. And then at some point you'd be like, do you know what? I just had enough of the humans. Let's just annihilate them. Yeah. Like, stuff like do like the Matrix. Take away the sunlight. Let's just let's just stop stop them from breeding. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a very interesting takeaway. But what kind of movie is this? Is this a warning hope or an experiment? To me, it is the experiment because it is a story, a what if. And to me, this film sets up like the what if of the Cold War, which is something that the world is even dealing with. I know this came out in 2013. So it's that concern of China. We've seen that a few times. Uh, another superpower, the rise of China. Definitely the West is is a bit concerned about, isn't it? Uh, and then probably in this recent sort of last 12 months, we've seen even before the Russian-Ukraine uh, you know, attack on Ukraine, uh, Australia, the UK and um, the US have got that AUKUS Good acronym. I always think of orcas, you know, orcas, Uh, but it's not like that. It's Oscars or AUKUS, whatever. Um, But it's like an acronym of Australia, United States, and there's a triangle of security. (laughs) uh, And and the whole point is the reason why the US is always interested in Australia is that we are that geographical location to Asia and they want to build a base here so that it kind of tells Asia, well, hang on, we, we can easily attack you back. So we send in the orcas. The orcas. Beware China of the orcas. And uh, that's the response. So to me, it's like a what if about the Cold War. It's a what if. And then it's a what if this film of, okay, what if we did use quantum computing with the latest robotic tech that we invented robot that does turn around and goes, why are you guys acting like this, man? Just chill. Well, Just and, chill. And there's a nice uh, nice like change it's, it's from a, a lot if. of others. Like yeah. Where, oh, well, the Terminator, for example. Yeah. In this case, yeah, the robot is very intelligent and yeah. machine and it's just like i don't but in reality you sort of think well why why are you afraid of china like why yeah, don't you just yeah. be nice with china that's right be nice why and the answer is because nice? well china has very different ideas of what being nice means mm. and we don't yeah, like those well, ideas so we're in opposition to them and you're like yes but if china was just nice mm. and then we were just nice and if everyone was just nice yeah because Let's face it, we do kind of have an agreement on what that would mean, mm. but yeah. it's it's one of those one of those uh, what they call it um, game theory dilemmas where if yes, if everyone cooperates, everyone benefits. Yeah, you know, if if the whole world just cooperated, like yeah. you didn't do these things, but the problem is if one person, if while everyone's cooperating, someone cheats. Yeah they get a massive advantage. They do. Because everyone else is left without any sort of defense against that cheat. Mm. And suddenly now, whatever their agenda may be, can has a chance of being dominant. And as a result, everyone has to assume that everyone else is going to cheat. Yeah. And so you can kind of maintain a certain level of cooperation, but it yeah. has a boundary. And, and in this context, like when you talk about countries and war, like, I mean, China is kind of edging in on Taiwan, aren't they? they? They want that island. They believe that island's theirs. And it, and we've seen Russia, like, for 20, 30 years, basically, you know, for example, that whole Cold War that happened in the late 60s and stuff like But for the last 20 and 30 years, there's been a very clear understanding, oh, cut back on the nuclear weapons, cut back on the missiles, cut mm. back on the deadly thing. And we've seen North Korea kind of, you know, trying to push that envelope and stuff. 
But again, it doesn't seem that fearful. But then suddenly you see Russia go, no, no, we're going to take a parcel land. And it kind of reignites that what you're just saying, someone cheating is the same here. It's like Russia goes, well, no, we don't want to play by those rules anymore. And I guess that's where you get Thompson justifiably kind of going, the tribe that has the best weapons comes out on top. Yes. As and, he says in the film. And in fact, that is the, that's the cheat, isn't yeah. it? He's, yeah. well, you know, UK in this case is assuming that China will cheat and so they want to cheat first. They want to cheat first. So to me, it's an experiment. But if you're out there listening, you're like, no, Mark, it's not an experiment. It's, uh, it's a warning. It's a total warning. Uh, there, there, there's elements of this. It's not really hope because no. we've not got a um, a doom that is overcome by yeah. the characters or science involved. Uh, war, uh, warning, you you could be, but the warning, as I said, the you know, Thompson had the warning, which was by creating sentient computers, we're actually making ourselves dead, extinct. Mm. Yeah, this would be like the the dinosaurs creating a massive asteroid to point at the Earth, you know, <laughs> or like, inventing a robot that yeah. goes, "Oh, bloody dinosaurs, kill you!" Yeah, I know. So, but you're right because the thing is, it could be the Terminator, right? The Terminator is more of a warning because it's 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 saying if you invent the robot now, in the future, there's a war. Here, it's implied the robot at the end is wanting to be peaceful. Yeah, it, it like just wanting wants to, to live be conscious. Yeah, yeah it, 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 and that's sort of the debate that she quite often says throughout is like, how do you know I'm alive? And how do you know, like he said, sorry, he's asking like, you're not alive. You're a machine. And she's saying, but how do you not know I'm alive? I'm mm. thinking, you know, I'm feeling. And so, yeah, that the, to me, that is why it is a experiment. Experiment. But you could disagree. And if you do, let us know. Uh, what was your first impression of this film? Have you seen it before? It turns out I have seen this before. I didn't realize I had. So this was uh, <laughs> when... Nice when surprise. Mark suggested we do the machine, and I saw the picture. I went, "Oh, isn't isn't that Ex Machina?" I thought that was that film. That's that's funny because no, I've seen no, that not. film. No, it's, it's not. not. And I had a look, and they're both released about the same time. The you know the trailers are not too dissimilar mm. in theme in some of the themes. Yeah, yeah. But I went, "Oh, okay." No, I'm a bit confused. And so then I started watching this film, and yeah, lo and behold, I'm going, I, "I'm." think i recognize this i've recognized the turing test with the orange and blue and so well, and then i realized i had seen this film and i hadn't seen x Machina at all i've seen the machine <laughs> but the impression i got here was there's a very it's an interesting view on sort of the future but i think also the way this film is presented with it had a lot of this a hard bright white spotlight effect in mm. each of the scenes or almost all of the scenes where they'd have a hard light and it would shine across whoever was acting most human yeah. at the time. Yeah, right. And so you would you'd get these and, and I really like this um this view of like this this hard light was kind of the if yeah. you if you look at Plato's philosophy, he talks about the parable of the cave where a guy's in the cave and all he knows about the outside world is is the light coming in through the cave and throwing shadows on the wall. Yeah. And as far as he knows, the shadows are the real thing, but the light behind him is where all of reality is coming from. This telios, this this um this light, and to step out of that cave and to see the sun for what it is mm. is sort of that uh, enlightenment that mm. man can have. Yeah. And I got a strong feeling this where there's just this constantly there's this bright light shining. 
onto the scenes mm. to illuminate truthy parts. Yeah. You know, and I, I quite like that. And it also had this uh, strong retro soundtrack, mm. which sounded a bit like Stranger Things. It, you did, know, didn't it had it? this yeah. this synthesizer thing and it was just very loud at times, which yeah. is a very eighties thing, which I think it brought back two things to me. One was the Terminator, because mm. it also has being from 84, 80. it has an 80 soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. And so this one here, it some of the sounds, you start to, to think of that. Uh, but also it, it brought about just a backward, like a, you're thinking this is a futuristic film, but the soundtrack is old. Yeah. And so I, I was sort of thinking of some of the older ideas. And it, it I just found it was, a, it was a very interesting, thoughtful piece. There mm. was no fast movement everything was quite slow paced every scene was was measured and set and I, up with lighting and yeah sound. i mean the lighting is really uh contra- like really stark and contrast throughout mm-hmm. so you're right like spotlighting is heavy in the film even when you know there's literal spotlights because we're at a mil- military base but then there's this real sort of harsh shadows on them um and sh- and the machine as well you know when she goes through kind of her periods of like adjustment from being born to kind of developing and then being like scared, like learning about the human race and being scared. And Thompson did that, did his first test on her and stuff. You know, then she hides in the shadows and then she yeah. comes out of the shadows again when she has her surgery and then she's like a, a trained military. You don't kind of see her face anymore. It's all in the shadow of it. Yeah. And even like, you know, um, not Thompson, was McCarthy? Was it McCarthy? Yeah, Vincent. Vincent. Oh, Vinny. Uh, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny's like um, lab is also in that. You know, it's in that bunker, but then it's like in itself, and it's surrounded by shadow. So it's really yes. well lit up, but it's surrounded by darkness. And you have a lot of those great shadow shots of those soldiers like stepping into shots, don't you? And you don't see them; you just see sort of see well, the silhouette a lot of, of a man. And things, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, I agree. Yeah, the shadow effect was awesome. I think that that's sort of slow pace in that music. It, it drew a lot of my attention to symbols and imagery, which yeah. this film's got quite a few of. There's the images of her dancing, for example, which is, you know, usually um, a, a, an expression of joy, but it's filmed reflecting off the puddles of water yeah. on the floor, mm. which is kind of that, again, it's that otherworldly aspect yeah. where you're not getting a direct shot and it's a reflection and it yeah it's it's quite good it, there's more of those sort of things there like the, he sees the butterfly in the cage and then yeah. we see the machine she lights when she goes a little bit machiney she lights up with red and black patterns yeah like the butterfly like a metamorphosis yes yeah so it's it's chock full of all of that imagery uh and as i said there's there's a couple of sort of heavy themes if we're talking about these spotlights mm. there's a number of times yeah you know, they're always walking away like they turn their back on this light mm. so they're never it's only at the very end of the film that, yeah. where they're standing facing the sun which again yeah. is this whole metaphor of the the cave mm. parable of the cave whatever it's yeah. called look it up it's in a book <laughs> <laughs> what what it's, is it's that but it's this is the film review show, sorry, but not yeah, a book review show. So it's like through the whole film, they got their back to the light, yeah. and the light is illuminating like humanity. And you know, as you said, the the robot she she pulls back, and just the glow of her eyes. Mm. And but then when she goes, you know, she asks a a humany sort of question, like, "Oh, but what 
what do you mean by that? What happened to your daughter? She leans forward and the light bathes her face yeah. and, and you can't see that glow in her eye anymore because mm. now she's, she's doing the human thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's quite good. There's a, there's a little foreshadowing of the end there with he's lying in bed after his attack at the start and the image on the wall is of a son yeah. with a girl standing there. Yeah, Presumably right. his daughter in some earlier happier time. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, that's basically the end image where robot holding robo daughter looking at the sun mm. and, you know, the truth is revealed, as it were. Yeah. So anyway, I, I've, I found it very philosophical piece. I think that if you are into uh, movie jazz, you would be into this. Uh, there's also, um, I was looking for and, and found several sort of callbacks to other films of thim- similar themes, similar themes, similar themes, uh, which we'll, I'm sure we'll bump into as we move along. Yeah, definitely. So um, how about you? How did this make you feel? It's kind of one of those ones, I think, where you realise humanity is the is the dick in the room, really. <laughs> like Humanity is the, uh, you know, like we see films where it's like humanity's you know, oh, to be human, you know, the hum- the humane way. Let's be all, you know, humanity saves the day. And then this is more the opposite, really, that the AI is the smarter thing than we are. It, know, it's like, the humane like thing. It, the AI sees, and that's why these films, they're a representation of, yeah, this extremity of when science just pushes ahead and then you don't bring in the ethics of it, you know. Mm. Um, and it was an interesting sort of a character trait that they made good old Vinny. It wasn't just about his, you know, it started that he was the scientist, but then when it, with, with talking to with Ava, when she came on board and he reveals, well, yeah, it's basically he's using the money to try to save his daughter. Yeah. So he's like, he's not such a bad guy. Like he's not just working for the military for the military's sake. He's also trying to develop something yeah. for his actual daughter. And I mean, the reason that he's not asking questions. Yeah. Because there's obviously some ethical dodgy questions. stuff's going on yeah. here. There's like yeah. the area six where there's just all these dudes there and the and he, he's haunted still by the, the woman looking for her son. Mm. And well, presumably it was her son who got, you know, stabbed him with a pen at the start. Yeah. That's just the impl- implication being made yeah. there. And, He's still haunted by those things, but then you go, why are you going ahead with this clearly dodgy stuff? Yeah. And the answer was because, you know, he, he's. I think he just keeps thinking this is, it'll all be justified. Like when my daughter is fixed, I'll, you know, I'll see what happens then. He'll probably, he could quit. Yeah. 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 He can quit whenever he wants. He's not addicted. So I just thought of like, it makes you kind of go, yeah, humanity kind of sucks. And and also realizing that we shouldn't, like, is there is there justification of the cause, isn't it? Like... It's like the nuclear bomb thing. Like, is there justification in detonating a nuclear bomb? I mean, effectively, a robot like this or an army of these robots is the equivalent of a nuclear bomb. Like, they oh. would just go in and annihilate whatever if they were working for the British military. Yes. And so, is that justification of inventing a machine like that valid? And realistically, the machine here questions that and shows us a mirror to our own humanity and what what is the right thing and the wrong thing to do i think you know and how far you should push science so it kind of made me feel like yeah humans suck 
Yeah, I, I think we <laughs> do know. a bit. There's, there's, a, there's a certain amount of suckitude yeah. there. But I enjoyed it, and it was. I think it was a nice, tight narrative. It was good fun. Um, the action is great. It doesn't dwell on anything. You know, it moves through it really rapidly. You mentioned her dancing. You know, that I think that was quite a really beautiful, artistically shot scene. You know, she dances free. And it is shot through the reflection of the sh- of yeah. the water. I liked that the the daughter daughter stuff was not dwelled on either. Like you know, it's very quick. You know that we we have a scene with the daughter in bed. We have a scene where she's obviously quite unwell, and then she's dying. You know, and then so it's it's a real quick progression of that narrative. So I enjoyed this, and I'd be surprised if you into sci fi that you would not find this an enjoyable piece of entertainment for 90 minutes. Yeah, it was pretty pretty in-depth and pretty interesting. You can you can squeeze a bit out of it. What's that? Why is this a sci-fi, sorry, quickly? Why, this is a sci-fi simply because of all the things you said, that it is a way of... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's using the science speculation of a sentient machine to, like you said, hold up a mirror to humanity. Like we say we're humans and she's not a human, but she's the one who wants things to be nice and to be kind and yet it's the humans that just want her to murder everyone right and so this that that makes it a sci-fi later you're going to talk about a science element what sci-fi element in this film got you tickling tickling your little science brain well i really liked the way that they introduced the requirement for a quantum computer to add that element of intelligence Mm. so the opening image we have a um, an interface implanted in a guy, and there's a war going on inside of him. Yeah, he wants to hug and find his mum. Mm. He also wants to kill. Yeah, because he's obviously decided that's how he's going to get to see his mum or something. Yeah. yeah, not entirely sure what's going on there. Yeah, and it's not until we get the uh, Ava's Turing test where he's interviewing this machine that Ava says learnt just through talking. Mm. And you know there wasn't it wasn't made to be intelligent. Yeah, it was allowed to grow to into grow intelligence. intelligence. Yeah, yeah. But it still wasn't quite quite there. It wasn't yeah, yeah. quite there until yeah. we added this quantum computer. And the reason that oh, geez, quantum computers are pretty interesting, uh, but because there's some interest in uh, you know what is consciousness in humans anyway. Mm, yeah. And there is a fellow whose line of thought is that. It's the consciousness is the fact that our brains are able to interact with the universe at a quantum stage. And that has been shown now through some experiments that there is a, 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 an uncertainty or a quantum element to our, the way our brains work. Yeah. As in, if it wasn't for the uncertainty principle and a bit of tunneling and a bit of you know um, frothy quantum magic, if you like... <laughs> The, our human brain wouldn't quite operate the way it does. Mm. So possibly that's what is the spark of intelligence in humans uh, mm. or any animal or creature that its brain has developed in that way. Mm. And they brought that out into this robot to say the reason we in our modern day don't have sentient computers or, or really AI that's actually worth being called true AI yeah. is because we don't have a quantum computer that is worth being called a quantum computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not quite there. We're not quite to Ava's quantum computer. Yeah, so I, I like that. And mm. that was it was a, a good little uh, idea that you need that um, 
cosmology, that uncertainty in order for sentience. Well, see, if you ask Siri a question on Apple that she doesn't program to answer, she doesn't give you an answer. Yes, that's and right. That, that's her answer. It's like, I can't answer that question. It's like, and I know they've done that deliberately because someone might ask her a dodgy question or a sexual question. People do ask and, her dodgy questions. Yeah, and so they've deliberately done that. So maybe she has, you know, if you're at Apple headquarters, she can say more. But at the same time, she can't actually answer some of those questions, unlike Ava's quantum computer. So, hey, hey, Siri, do you love me? Hmm. Is your name Steve Jobs? <laughs> no. <laughs> then no. That's <laughs> okay. And I love I lo- my actually, I loved in this film the the female aide was called Suri. Yeah. And I it's Suri Siri, and I was sort of going, sorry. Was that? <laughs> That, I mean, this was done in 2013. I think we had Siri at that mm. stage. We had iPhones with yeah. their personal assistant. She was um, already around. I do like the fact that they had this name that was so similar. This this woman who was the aide, that's just sort of, you know, personal assistant, if yeah. you like. Yeah, it's that was awesome. Quite funny. Okay, so what about what's coming up on the 21st of May? Sorry. 21st of May. In case you've been living in a cave with Never the sun. Never listened to Space Brains before. Shining behind <laughs> you, showing the truth. Turn around and notice that we have a film festival. Come out of your cave to the beautiful coastal town of Mandra, Western Australia. Terribly beautiful. I was riding just uh, earlier this week, as I do, along. There's a lovely bike path that goes along the top of the sand dunes. Mm. And I crested the top. And I looked to my right across the beautiful Pacific Ocean, the Indian yep. Ocean, not the Pacific, whew, whew. the Indian Ocean. Send people to the wrong mandra. <laughs> Two dolphins ah, crested lush, out of the waves, and they swam along next to me for a good 50 metres, just splitting and I was just looking there, and the sun was starting to set in that direction. It was just glinting beautiful. off the yeah. And I just thought, I get to live here. Yeah. And then the dolphins stood, stood up and walked out of the water and started talking to you well, because one it was of them a did science a, fiction a film. a couple backflips and a squawk before disappearing, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I understood to mean so long and thanks for all the fish. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I don't know. I think it's good. I think they were well wishing you, and if they could, they would come to our film festival. And they absolutely would. We've we've reserved a special marine box for them. <laughs> uh, so far, only crabs have applied because Mandra has a lot of those. Yeah. Uh, but we've got dolphins and seals and. Authors. So we're going to be having some huge guests. Huge guests. Filmmaker Ben Young. Ben Young. Uh, he's got his film Extinction, science fiction. It's on Netflix presently. Yeah. He's just finished filming over in the United States with some known named actors. I'm sure yeah. we'll leave him to discuss that. Yeah. Who else do we have? Amanda Bridgman. We have Amanda Bridgman, the author of the uh, s- subject. No, uh, is it called the, the the subject? It is. I was just thinking, is that the title of the book? No. Uh, the no, the Salvation series. Salvation subject series. is the first book of the Salvation yeah. series. Oh, we'll get it there on the right way. Sorry, Amanda. And uh, she's also done like you know the. Uh, bunch of other work as yep. well. Uh, the reason I mentioned that is because that's being adapted for a TV series. Yep. She's going to talk to us about writing science fiction. Yeah. Then we have uh, an environmental scientist, author and educator, H.M. Um, War. War, yeah. She's going to be talking to us about some science of science fiction here. Mm. She does have a book launching in May. So if you go check her out and maybe buy that book, you might get a an idea of what's going to be talked mm. about. Yeah, yeah. Just, what, what's great about that for the festival is she's both an environmental scientist and an, a, an author, right? So yeah. she brings that wealth of knowledge. Yeah, storytelling and presentation and all sorts of great things. 
Yeah, so they're all going to be presenting sort of, you know, 30-minute workshops with the opportunity for people to, you know, ask them questions. So if you're in town, it's going to be one hell of a day out. And then followed by a short film festival. Yes, we've got the the red carpet and we have the uh, screening of the best science fiction films Mm. that have been, well, they've been submitted to us. I mean, yeah. But we think they're probably the best in the world. Oh, they're going to be the best. We have some from here locally in Australia. In fact, we've yep. got some here locally from the Mandra region. We do. Yep. Uh, we have a whole stack international as well. Uh, we even got some feature films, but we are not screening them at this time because, you know, you would need more screens, yes. I suspect. <laughs> more screens and more time, which we just unfortunately don't have. But we're still going to watch them. Hopefully, even incorporate them into our podcast. Oh so, yeah, I'm, hope, yeah. I'm hoping we can we can pick out because uh, there'll be a winner there, the best feature oh, film. Definitely, and well and truly. We would love to interview the creators uh, and you know cast and crew yeah. of that that film. Well and truly. So keep out 21st of May 2022 in Mandra, Western Australia. If you can make it, come on down. If you can't. Make sure you let as many people know about it. And if you've ended your film and you're not here in Australia, feel free to come visit Mandra. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, as I said, you can ride along and, you know, even though it's coming through autumn at the moment, it's still the oh, shorts still and t-shirts. We're still wearing our shorts and t-shirts yeah, here recording are. at night. We are. Lovely. Okay, so let's talk about the machine. We'll get stuck into the plot, uh, a little bit about the science, talk a bit, about, a bit more details about some of those important character traits, sci-fi moments uh, throughout the film. So the machine was directed and written by Caradog W. James, as I said earlier in the program, based off his short film, which was uh, quite successful, I think, at film festivals. And so he kind of moulded and evolved that into uh, this feature film. It was specifically made for television and had a, a small release i think like on streaming services so the box office is small but i think it was as i said specifically it was specifically made for a tv launch to Mm. begin with um yeah so not looking at you know term in terms of money is a little bit different for tv because it's about you know the advertisement or the subscribers and things like that sale to netflix yeah those sort of things um it starred katie lots sam hazelden Toby Stevens, Puna Hamji Mahamadi, <laughs> Dennis uh, Lawson uh, were the key cast. It was shot in the UK, had a budget of a, a pretty healthy budget of 1.5 million. I think that might be pounds as well. So that's like 1,900 Australian million dollars. <laughs> um, 14 drams and six farthing shillings yes and australian dollars that's right you definitely get a few sheep for that and uh the box office as i said wasn't a huge return but the focus here was for the tv ratings which apparently did quite well i saw online sorry that kind of has become a little bit of a cult classic of a film to sort of a specific sci-fi demographic so there's sort of like Empire Magazine talked a lot about the sort of influence of this film onto other films like maybe Ex Machina, maybe. which you're confused that this is the same film. It's not the same film. If you haven't seen that film, go check that film out too. That's yeah, a very we'll be good covering film. that in a future we, episode. We at some will point. cover it at some point. 
So let's get stuck into what we talk about with the narrative. So when we say narrative, we mean the story. And there's some common uh, elements that you can find from all good story and script writing teachers. We refer to people like Campbell, Snyder, McPhee and Field, where there is a three-act structure broken down into specific moments or beats. What's Act 1 all about? Act 1. We love Act 1 because Act 1 introduces us to the world and the characters. We have the opening image which gives us an idea of the world we're living in. In this movie here, we had uh, a short couple of bits of text and then sort of an entry into the um, world that this uh, Vincent exists in. Yeah. The introduction of the characters, we learn about some of their problems, some of their hopes, which we know uh, is going to mould or shape the way the plot uh, works through. And then we have the important part towards the end of Act 1, we have the catalyst or the inciting incident. I like to think of it as the question that Act 2 will answer. And this is a a moment uh, at about, let's call it, somewhere between 11 minutes 59 and 12 minutes and one second. <laughs> Depends. It's in it's in that sort of first 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the pace and the, the, the structure of the film. Uh, but it's that point of the film where you realise as an audience what this film is sort of going to be about. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily what the film will be about, but you know there's a story there now mm. and things are going to move forward. Something is going to change. And that's... Um, leads into the break into two, which is where it changes. Yeah. And, we, and then we get act two. Yeah. And act two is kind of pushes that first act into, okay, well, that was the catalyst. Now, what is the possible solution? So in this case, Vincent has made a machine. And so he's going to test out the machine. He's going to play with the machine. The bad guy is going to try to play with the machine. Yeah. And that's what we call in all films the fun and games. So the fun and games is, I know Schneider talks about, it's like the trailer of the film. So, yeah, it's a film about a machine. You want to see some fun stuff at the machine. And, in fact, and I that's re- what happens. I recall seeing the trailer for this film where we see them walking towards the underground bunker, inside of a bunker where they do the things. There's a little bit of the, the machine dancing, yeah. a couple shots of the machine you know, with Probably glowing fighting. eyes yeah. and then with not glowing eyes and a human face. So all that's kind of that fun and games bit where you're discovering the limits. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and that's what it is. It's fun and games. Even in the most serious film, which this is a serious film, it is the fun and games of inventing a machine. You get then a little bit right bang in the middle of the film, the mid of the film, the midpoint. This is where the film then turns to more of a serious note. So there's no more fun in games. Even in a comedy, it's about, you know, swapping from the hilarity of the scenario of a dad dressing up as a maid to spend more time with his kids, like in Mrs. Doubtfire. Here's when all of his setup needs to now be more serious. And and so now the world turns a bit where whatever the character was trying to do starts to unravel or the bad guys close in, the world closes in, the things that were going well for them do not go so well. So we get some things like the bad guys close in, the all is lost. We have that real dark night of the soul moment where we're having something or someone die and then them the main character going should i keep persevering i've been climbing up this mountain to get to the top but you know what 
I think I'm over climbing. I don't want to climb anymore. Oh, but you know, but your dead I, daughter, all of this yeah. climbing stuff, it would be for nothing. If you turn back, but you know what? That's the whole point. She died and I wasn't there for her. Do you know what? I'm going back. And so this is the whole point of the Dark Knight of the Soul is like the character kind of really reflecting on everything they have learnt. And what happens is they tend to have that moment of clarity while sitting on the side of the road in the rain with an empty wallet and a flat tire. And they go, do you know what? This is now what I'm going to do. I've learnt something and I'm going to instead try this tactic. And when they decide to do that, that pushes them into Act 3. Act 3, the finale. The finale and the final image. So this is where we see some sort of plan putting into motion. So they've they've come out of this this dark point of the movie. Yeah, new lust for life. Where we're <laughs> off, we're, honestly, as the audience, we're wondering, you know, where's this going? Like, they oh going my god, this is terrible. Yeah. But they they have a plan for getting out of that situation mm. or changing it. The the plan usually has a bit of a failure. Yeah. At some point, um, and that's because the plan that they made was one made from um, you know past experience yeah. and you know as in pre pre-learnings and then this turnaround has to be met with some sort of a, a, a trip a failure where they go oh actually no i didn't do this right mm. hang on i suddenly remember something someone said or did or yeah. i've learned something i think back to an incident i was involved in in this film yeah sometimes in you know romantic comedies you get like that little montage of all the fun times they shared yeah. with one or two little sad moments, but they were connected. Yeah. And that's like, ah, and then they realize what they have to do to, you know, have the actual real finale. Yes. And well, have, as I was talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, realizing that he just needs to be there for his kids. Yes. The, the whole carry on character thing. Yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't actually need to do that. To I, I'm wondering kid. if Mrs. Doubtfire's become a problematic film <laughs> with his portrayal of, uh, you know, gender reversals. Look, maybe I watched it not that long ago. It's still bloody funny and I really enjoyed it. But yeah, yeah I do wonder that as well. But who knows? I guess we it probably has on. to do with who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. But uh, anyway, the, the final image then will be kind of the, the bookend, the, the reflection on the opening to show how it is different. Yes. And how things have changed. And this is where you'll either get, you know, a happy ending, a sad ending, a neutral ending, a frustrating ending, or you'll get some sort of an ending where you'll come away from the movie feeling, well, hopefully feeling something. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And if, and if you're not, then, you know, maybe maybe you could do some therapy. <laughs> um, don't, don't try to, like, murder cats or anything to try no. and feel something. That's bad. Just watch another sci-fi. Go, go find another sci-fi yeah. and watch that. And you'll be and okay. then tune in and listen to what we have to say about it. You'll be feeling <laughs> yeah. something probably. Check rage. out our classics; they probably will always put you in a pretty good mood. So, and this film didn't have the traditional book ends, as in you know, because quite often it's almost the same type of scene. But it did have book ends, as in at the start, which we'll get into. It's like a dark, bleak, black lab, really. You know that real. Yes. And, he's, and he, we come in on Vincent interviewing this deformed soldier and whereas then at the end of the film there's there you know they're in the paddock and there's the sun setting and there's the silhouette and it's kind of like a, a and he's got his daughter it's like well, it's a romantic is... it's a it's a sort of semi-romantic but there's a bit more going on than what i'm saying there but they are bookends because you've got bleak dark lab 
you know, up, you know, sad yeah. moment, not not connecting with humans and people. And then at the end, Vin, Vincent is the opposite of that. He's watching the sunset, you know. And, so, and again, I, I think there's also that uh, focus on where the light is. You know, the, the light is being ignored. Yeah. And in the opening image, shortly after being stabbed with a pen, you know, he wakes up. Some time has passed because he's got a scar there now. Yeah. But his wall image is um, of a. It, presumably his daughter looking towards the sun, mm. which interestingly enough in portraiture uh, or paintings, someone who's not who's looking away, you can't see their face, it means they're dead. Yeah. So, you know, you get this, this painting where you'll have a, uh, a great battle scene where everyone is celebrating the victory, but like the commander is standing majestically silhouetted facing away from the yeah. painter, then there's clearly they had a glorious death. Yeah. And in this case here, daughter facing the sun, we only see her back. He pays no attention to that. Mm. He gets up, he turns his back on it. And of course, in the in the, the closing image, he's there and he's facing towards the sun and yeah. towards his daughter and... And the life his daughter's the mother. Yeah, yeah. What's the... Yeah, it's the That's because yeah. she refers to, no, no, I don't want to play with you, I want to play with mother. Yeah, but it is the machine. And yeah. it's the mach- and it's the machine, yeah. So, <coughs> yeah, so, yeah I, I agree. Bookends, not... Not the sort of identical style. Not straight up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but definitely symbolically. So we are told that at the start of this film... So let's talk about the setup, sorry. So we are told at the start of this film that there's a Cold War with China. I think they're about to take on Taiwan or something... Um, and the British are building soldiers and building a fleet. We're given just a tiny bit of context, which is good. I'm never a huge fan of like massive amounts of text, no. you know, like when you have to read an essay. I'm looking at you, George Lucas of Star Wars, I mean, how did it have to go on that long? That's right, I'm controversial. Um, but anyway, that was a bit different. He had some epic John Williams music going along. I kind of liked it. Uh, but, you know, these essays at the start of film are never necessarily, I feel, needed. And you say it's always a good test is if you just kind of blanked them, would they still work? Same as a voiceover. Mm. And we're in this dark, bleak lab, neon light, you know, in the middle of a table, heavy shadows, can't really see what's going on. We have we introduced to this scientist, Vincent. He's got a co-scientist. I'm not too sure if we ever have a name. And we have this deformed... You know, it's kind of cool his head, eh? It was really a shrapnel I, I think that's, blowing that's apart. That's a real head. guy. Yeah. He's, he's um, suffered a, a, a brain injury and his skull got taken out. I know, yeah. It, that's actually the guy. He's, yeah, um, right. Okay. So I didn't even look that up, but I was like, oh, that's a really impressive looking, especially with the way they lit it in the shadows. And he's very disorientated and they're trying to talk to him about the implant. He's not really accepting it. So we're getting these little bits of information that basically, as scientists, they're. They've implanted these returned wounded soldiers and they're trying to get them functional. Back functional. Yeah. So it's a sort of an interesting. He's Dawson, as you said before, he's asking for his mum. Yeah. But then Vinny and the other scientists are kind of like asking him a, a, like clear uh, clarity an questions. In, and an interesting thing is that they're not treating him very nicely. No, and they're ignoring his He's like, I want to treat my mum. And what's your mum's name? Oh, I don't know. And and you see, rather than him reassuring him going, look. It's okay. It, yeah, it's we'll okay. That, that'll come in time. You know, you yeah. have suffered a head injury. It takes time to heal. Like, instead, it's just like, uh, it, it's, it's like they're talking to a thing. Yeah. So they don't have this humanity in there. No. that. 
Uh, and there's a couple of times where he's a little bit distressed and they're just like yeah ignoring him what, you know what's going where am i and he's and they're, they're talking as if he's just not there like he's yeah. just a piece of equipment so there's nothing really empathetic about it and they ignore dawson's requests and he turns hostile very rapidly doesn't he and he does an old quick hannibal lecter 10 stabs to the well i really liked it because at first like, of all he picks up the pen and you and you you know he's going to do it. Yeah. But he gets up and he gives him a hug. Yeah. And so and this is what I think is it's setting the scene here of there's this this conflict between human and machine. Yeah, yeah. It's even going on there. Like he, he wants some human contact, but clearly it's not processing properly because yeah. then something about his soldier background or maybe this yeah. type of you know prosthetic he's got in his brain. Yeah. And then he starts getting all stabby. <laughs> Yeah, and then anyway, you mentioned he wake. Um, we get we get a cool scene like a flash scene where there's a young girl kind of strung up in those robotic tubes. Mm. It's a bit matrixy sort of thing, isn't it? That he, there's all these kind of tubes pumping out, and she opens her mouth. It's very mechanical. Scream comes out. Uh, Vinny's also shot at a very oblique kind of angle, uh, very angle. You know, very obtrusively on a side angle you know to the camera and it's so it's very abrupt for us as an audience and like you mentioned he kind of comes to back and he's got this scar he's looking pretty depressed he's so time's gone by but i don't think much has progressed that's the point there no he doesn't look like a happy chappy it's not a happy scientist (laughs) all this all work and no play makes Vinny a dull boy so we do have a catalyst, though, because we learn a little bit yeah. more about what Vincent is up to, I think. So the catalyst to me, sorry, is uh, Ava. So she comes in because it's right on 11 and a half minutes, so it's very good, very yep. quick. She is doing like a bit of a pitch. Uh, her quantum computer talks. Oh, well, no, she doesn't have the quantum computer. She's just got an artificial intelligence. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. He's she's, got the quantum he's computer. Got, sorry, yeah, the other way sorry. around, right? Yeah, so she's got the AI. Sorry. Yes, you're right. He tests it and it fails his test, uh, but passes enough to kind of get her. Yeah, it it was. And and the question he uses is a classic question that computers, artificial intelligence have trouble with. It's it's one where uh, a pronoun is confused. You know, a woman sees a puppy in a window. She thinks she'd like to buy it. Yeah. What does she want to buy? Yeah. As a human, you go, well, it must mean the puppy. Yeah. Because it could be either it could be the window or could be the puppy. In fact, the window is the last mentioned thing. Yeah. So it logically would be the window. Mm. But as humans, we reject that because she's looking at a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the window is kind of neither here nor there in our context. Mm. But robots don't have a human context. No. And so you can pick them that way. Surely on a side note here, you could you could train AI to decide on the puppy couldn't you couldn't you train the AI, the AI for the meaning of puppy being emotional versus being an emotional word to humans? But yeah, but then you could, that would be just have to change the the context slightly. Yeah, she sees an ice cream and a puppy in a, sold by an ice cream vendor. Yeah. She wants to buy it. Yeah. Oh, why would she buy an ice cream vendor? That's yeah. strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah, so I I think that's that's the catalyst because yeah. that's where. Uh, Vincent's emotional state changes too. Yeah, he he's sitting bored. Orange, tell me you're a machine, and I'll be convinced that you're a human. Mm. And Orange says that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 
I am a human. And he's like, okay, blue, you know, how long is a whatever, you know, like yeah. he's, he's, he's not interested. But when Ava comes in, mm. we can see there's this change. So something has changed and he, and he recruits her. Yeah. And she's clearly intelligent because yep. she, she goes, oh, there's no grant here. This is your a job interview. Yeah, it's a trick. And he said, yes. And so as the audience, you go, oh, okay. So we've got something here. He's yeah. a robot researcher and now he's got this new piece of technology uh, information new yeah. technology yes and so that's where we get into then the debate so she's hired she's new in this place she's looking at the place differently new new eyeballs you know she's first day on the job kind of idea everything mm. looks a bit shiny <clears throat> she learns that these soldiers you, you kind of like as she's walking around there the soldiers you see their eyes light up they're scary little white lies in the dark like cat like cat's eyes right well they look like youtubers with ring lights <laughs> yeah they do in the shadows and then as you said they step out of the shadows and those lights disappear yeah. so yeah it's a it was kind of a creepy cool little creepy effect there thompson we introduced to him he's the director he's automatically suspicious of ava so um yeah they question about her past and stuff like her that. Her politics. Her politics. Do you want my politics or you want my science? Uh, so he's already a bit suspicious. Uh, Vincent then l- reveals to Ava during this kind of debate part, like, oh, well, you know, she figures out he's, you know, he's a ruthless scientist, but no, he's actually doing this because of his daughter. Yes. And so that she says, oh, yeah, I'll help. I'll, I'll help do it then. And he's got, he shows her, he's got the daughter's brain as a map, a hologram or something. I don't know what that thing was. But uh, that's, well, that's the, that's a quantum computer that yeah. he's been trying to grow yeah. a brain from. Yes. And so they want to put her learning uh, intelligence into, into there and yeah. that so it can start becoming more AI-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Less A, more, more I. Yeah, that's right. So, and then we have this scene where there's a cyber, yeah, cyber metric, I think is the word, if that's right. But there's these soldier that's got no arms. No arms. And they bring in these. Yeah, Do you know why they brought arms. him in instead of the, you know, because after the incident with the guy with the, the broken skull, mm. they brought this guy in because he looked totally armless. Yeah. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. Sorry, um, I have to be made that joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> They give him these arms and, you know, because we've seen earlier in the film what happens to the soldiers, they go a bit ruthless. They give him these super strong arms and, of course, then he's moving them and he's flexible and it's easy and, they, they you know, he's pretty pretty much in control. And he's like, can I touch you, Ava? Can I touch your skin? Yes, I just, um, just need to put some lotion contact. on that skin. I just want to put a bit of lotion on. Um, anyway, and so it's a bit like Vinny's like, ah, uh-uh, no, you're going to rip her arm off. <laughs> we know where this goes. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, it's fine. It's my first day on the job. It's all good. Yeah, you won't hurt uh, me. You won't hurt me. He's like, no, I won't. <laughs> and he goes to, we as the audience think, yeah, he's just going to crack her arm off or whatever. Yeah. But um, he dances with her. And so it's a nice little moment there. But he actually, as he quickly dances, he says, you've got to help me, Sector 6. Mm. And which she then investigates, of course, gets a bit naughty, goes on a little trail, asks Vinny about that. Vinny's like, yeah, you know, it's what we're doing here, you know, but I'm doing there, this for These my- are soldiers who would have been no better dead Left, or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a little scene there with Suri hearing this and it's like a bit of slight echo sort of, You've repeated. So as the audience, you question, is that really how they feel? 
Do they feel like they were no better than dead? Mm. Um, so she explores, Vinny tells her off, Thompson gets the footage as well from that head female soldier, which... Um, Siri. Yeah, Siri, that's it. So she... And we see her talk to the other ro- returned soldiers or the ones that have the chips, and they, t- they talk in a weird robotic voice yeah, to so each other. some sort of weird machine. Some sort of little machine. Almost like the old modems or faxes yeah. if you call them up. That's right. They have some sort of weird little language system. And we've been told that they have lost the power of speech. We have, but they're doing this weird robotic chatting. Yeah. How was your weekend? Yeah, I had a good break. Yeah, we're going to douse this guy in uh, petrol and set him on fire. Set him on fire. Oh, so why are you doing that? (laughs) Fuck if I know, whatever. (laughs) You've got to do something, right? He didn't buy Siri chocolates. Well, have you seen that Rage Against the Machine album cover? Yeah. Yeah, that's rad. Let's look at that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So they are driving home, driving out, and um, suddenly it, they come across the Dawson mother, mother out on the road crying. <laughs> and so they get out and they go up to Ava, goes up, says we should give her a lift, and goes up. And it turns out it's a Chinese Ministry of State security guard or something. And oh, that's what we're led to believe. Yeah, we're led to believe that. But you know, that's a and anyway, he turns around and stabs Gives her Ava. a stab and then shoots her. And yeah. For some reason, Vincent's just knocked down and not killed. Yes. And so when he wakes up, she's dead. Mm. And he decides, and to me this takes us into Act 2, because then he decides, hey, we will create the robot. We'll create the mission. We'll use Ava's brain, because he's been scanning her brain and asking her questions to get some sort of uh, you know, imprint of, of what a brain looks like. Yeah. And he goes, well, I will just use... Her brain. Her brain. Yeah. And then the artificial intelligence she's been creating, and then we will go from there. And we'll just create the robot to look like her. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> well, I think he wanted to do that in part because he felt guilty and also in part because uh, he probably wanted the, the technology to work on mm. that. You know, like the- well, it was definitely implied because when she died, um, Thompson watches the security vision, yeah. and then he like just goes back to playing golf or putting, you know, in his office, um, and doesn't really care. And so then the, that next scene, he's like, Vin- Vincent says, "We'll just make it look like Ava," and he's like, "Oh, you know, you're the one with the guilty conscience." Yeah, and you know, he's like, "I think in a way, Vinny might have been going, well, yeah, you know, you killed her. You can look at her now as a robot." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a bit of. Like a bit of a morbid sort bit of revenge. Of yes. Anyway, so the fun game, fun and games, we've got a robot. She comes out yeah. of the mould. She's all good. She can do things. Wow, we have this. And, and isn't that a wonderful, uh, if you remember she's watching birthed. Metropolis. Yes. She's sitting there in that chair. Yeah. Because in Metropolis, we see the robot, the machine lady, the machine man, I think they refer to it. But, mm. you know, the robot. And she's just sort of like C-3PO. And it's all yeah. shiny metal. Mm. And then she goes through that metamorphosis yeah. where she becomes the... Looks like a woman. Uh, what was that woman's name? I can't remember now. Yeah. Lil- Lilette or something funny. Yeah. yeah so, and, and it's basically a, a repeat of that because we have this uh, gimp-masked figure. <laughs> feminine, but still no Robotic, features. It's yeah. like just a, it's all literally latex yeah. bodysuit and headpiece. And then, yeah, he scalpels away the, the mask... And we get that metamorphosis mm-hmm. to reveal it's Ava. Yeah. Just like, you know, this woman was a copy of uh, the 
I can't, I can't go back to listen to our episode of, of Metropolis and you'll you'll learn all about it. But that that's what got to me. I, I went, this is this is clearly a Metropolis retake or a, mm. another yeah, view that we've got because in Metropolis she the robot was subversive mm. uh, and she was leading people to destruction. Mm. And then lo and behold, we have this scene. We get Ava's Ava bot the machine, who is now also subversive and leading Vincent astray. Yes. But we do have a series of scenes here to me which are fun in games. So she's birthed, she's kind of like a little kid. She doesn't really get things. She harms, or does she kill that she guy? Kills she, kills the, she kills the clown, you know, and then at the same time they do the spider. They put a spider on her face and she's all freaky and then they remember, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me. You know, like <laughs> it's very childlike for a while there. And, yeah, she kills the clown who's a man. She's like, I didn't know clowns and mans were the same people and, and then Thompson at the same time is like, well, no, we wanted to blow shit up. We wanted to kill people, you know. And so he takes her on a little test. She does the ballerina dancing and kind of when she does that, she kind of comes into her own skin because that's the thing. She kind of disrobes. And yeah, she takes off she the, 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 latex the latex cover cover off her whole body and sort of does a big, beautiful dance. But then Thompson, so that's like a positive. Thompson gets her to murder or kill people, whatever, or do some soldiery things. And uh, she's kind of then whimpering in the corner. She wants to then, she learns more about his daughter and he starts questioning, she's only a robot, but she's saying that she's alive. And how how do you know that I'm not alive? And that sort of debate comes in so here. So I, I was thinking the, the midpoint for me was when Suri talked to her, she was, she was down because she was depressed was that uh, having killed the clown, actually, I think. And Suri comes up and goes, blah, 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 And then she glows all red under her skin and responds in that same machine tone. And it was at that point there that then she gets taken away for the soldier experiments. So I was figuring that's sort of the midpoint there. We've got the fun and games are kind of finished. Now, we've, now it's going to get serious. And she's then starts getting darker because, yeah, you've created this, this creature, but now she's... Killing. Yeah, yeah. That that was my take on that turning point. Yeah, well, I think I think I think you're right. Like, I, I think the midpoint to me was the once she's kind of had those like she's she's had those fun and games of being the machine, and mm-hmm. and really all of them have. Like, Vincent's had the response with her of being childlike, of like learning, of hurting, of like you know she's trying to find out who she is, the the ballet, yeah. all that. At the same time, Thompson does take her away f- once and then brings her back. Like that was all to me still the fun and games. Yeah. Then when it gets serious is that Vincent is then called to the hospital for his daughter and then then that time Thompson is like, oh, you know, we need to, we don't really know what we're doing with you. You know, like that speech yeah. to me, that was kind of then, oh, now, now it's a bit serious. And I've got her in that training center shooting yeah. a gun yeah and then that's and when they started doing that fighting people but she's at that point she's just kind of knocking people aside yeah, yeah. and yeah. So he says oh you're time. you're a little angel of death yeah and she says no i'm, I'm not yeah yeah i'm not but i don't want to be that yeah i don't i, I don't want to be that yeah because that, that, he that's right because he thompson says you you can do this if you're if you want Vinny to be okay like otherwise we can hurt Vinny. so he's sort of threatening her to bargain to see how strong she is. And she is. She's super strong. So we are. We're moving down kind of like 
and that the, sort the, of negative part. Yeah, and the bad the, guy, bad guys, the bad guys the big, move in. <laughs> the bad guys move clues. in when, like you know, I don't know what accent I, I have. Know. It's it's half machine talk anyway. <laughs> the when the bad guys move in, I think that's when he's told to unsentient her. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and this was this was one of these ideas in here that of course, Thompson's really I think he's quite correct absolutely yeah. correct is you're not ready for a sentient robot at this point no. like you, you've not considered what you know you know Asimov he in his stories came up with these three laws of robotics mm. which there's actually a couple others that throw in there but three laws of robotics, which shows someone's had a bit of a thought about this whereas yeah, this was let's not. just go ahead oh well now we've made this artificial intelligence and now we've got now, to the point where it's actually going sentient it's a little bit too late mm. to start going oh well we should put some <laughs> limitations in this because yeah otherwise it's just going to be you know killbot fest yeah eventually inevitably that's what's yeah. going to happen these yeah. these robots will create the skylant knight who yeah, just goes skylant. you know what our best move at this point is to destroy the humans. Yeah, get rid of them. Because they're... I know the humans are thinking our best bet at this point is to destroy the robots. Yeah, which is... So I, I think Thompson, he's a bit ruthless and, un, you know, focused on his desires for, you know, to see the UK be supreme. Mm. But he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, he's just, you know, you can argue that his, you know, ethics are... He's not taking the right approach to this. Yeah, but I don't think he's wrong in this, and that's that was why my number one takeaway here is that mm. this scene, I, I I agreed with him, and I think Vincent he had a different opinion. Yeah, well, he he was saying can, no. Well, you know, if it is alive, we can't, and that that, that that's where it's a nice. It is bad guys closing, isn't it? Because Vin, Vincent's argument back was, but hang on, ethically, if she is alive, we can't just destroy this thing. You know, yeah. like that's just murder. I know that's what it means. It's yeah. it's too late at that point. Yeah, it is Once well you've made late. the sentient machine, yeah. it's too late. Yes. You need we, to come up with this stuff before that happens. To me, there's symbolism in that story because Vincent also has this daughter and we we learn about here that he did the... Oh, no, we we learned earlier, like he did the implant to try to help her and it didn't succeed. Mm. And now he's kind of trapped in this job and this loop of... Not really. I think we get the feeling like he wants to help the world, but he, this is the only way to help is build this machine, and mm. and he's trying to push those rules, not really thinking it through. And there's a lot of symbolism, like is he because he's never really there for his daughter either. No. Um. So it's kind of an interesting thing. So he's is he even alive? Like, what's his humanity? That's what I was kind of picking up here. That. Like, how humane is this Cause, Vinny? Because he's kind of absent from the whole world well, anyway. He's, he's done that trick of like, oh, I I just want my daughter to be the way that I imagine her mm. should she should be. Yeah. And the, the thing is, well, she's there now. Yeah, she's there now. She's right there. Like, yeah. And then he starts losing her as and, the story and goes you, along. You've kind of... You're kind of ignoring what you have got. It's mm. good that you're trying to find some way to make her life better. Yeah. That's good. But you you haven't lost her yet. No, until and, later on. But the but like but the thing is in those from the start of the film when he the scenes he is with her, which is only a couple of scenes anyway, he's not even present. She's like uh, off with the fairies, yeah. and he you can see he's thinking about other things. And you and I, are parents, you know, we do that at times, and you kind of have to remind yourself to be present, even if it's a boring thing that the kids are doing. You kind of have to pull yourself back sometimes. Yeah, my into my the kids just go, cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. I go, okay, <laughs> they do okay. The trip. They do I that. will do it because I want you to look after me when I'm older <laughs> and infirm. 
But yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's absent no, anyway. Yeah. Like, and then he gets told she's sick, and he's like, oh, he rushes to the hospital. And he does more tests on her. He doesn't actually be with her, and it's kind of too late. And that really does, to me, lead into the Dark Knight of the Soul, because oh no, so the all is lost because Mary does die. Yes, so Mary dies. They try to perform a surgery on her, and she dies during the surgery. And in return for this, what makes it then kind of dark, dark night of the soul, things getting worse for Vinny is that then Thompson, the, the, he has his brain scan on the system. He then goes, oh, I've got the copy of that. Yeah. And I'm if you it. don't turn the machine back, like take out her consciousness, I'll delete the daughter's memory. Yes. So he he's a, he's pissed off, but he does it. He does the surgery. Well, yeah, he, he goes in there and, and it is a, a slightly disturbing scene yeah. where you're thinking she's a machine, right? So you can just turn off her pain receptors. Yeah. You didn't have to cut into her while she could feel it. Yeah. And she presumably could also turn off. I don't know, maybe yeah, she yeah. doesn't have that control. But but she doesn't even suggest she's in pain, but she's, she's suggesting it's the fear of losing herself. Yeah, she's in, she's in distress. So yeah. She could have just been asleep. I mean, yeah. That's what we do to humans when we cut into their brains. Yeah, so Sometimes. he does, he cuts out this little thing, he's, he's annoyed by it. He does all that, and then with that, Thompson says, oh, I've already deleted your daughter's memory anyway. Yeah. So, screw you. Bitch. <laughs> Thompson is the... Thompson! You know, Thompson! <laughs> Although he, he hasn't, of course, he's just lying. At no, he's point. lying at this point, but I mean, it is bad guys getting, you know, the world getting yeah. worse and worse. And then the machine, when he talks to the machine, she's no longer got consciousness. She's just now the dark angel of death. Yes. Um, so we really are at that point of like things have gotten as bad as they can for Vincent as it seems. However, then there's a little twist here, which the other scientist that was kind of helping out says, hang on, this little bit that he cut out was only a battery. Yes, for the so GPS. Something, something else is the GPS. And so they're a bit confused. And with that, she is no longer kind of the brain-dead soldier. And we also learned something new here. She had a bomb in her. Yeah. We didn't know that earlier. And they says, oh, but Thompson's like, oh, that's kind of annoying. Why would he do that? And the, the scientist says, well, without this, you know, her bomb won't work. Yeah. So, you know, she was going to be some sort of infiltration, do whatever she could, and then explode, presumably. Yeah. yeah. Which is... Kamikaze style. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, you, you have to agree, like their idea was that they can give them whatever skin they want. So they're going to yeah. say, well, because they ask her, what would you do? And she said, well, I would, you know, make some Chinese looking agents who would basically go in there and then kill the party leaders and yeah. the, the the leadership team and so forth and then self-destruct. Mm. You know, then the internal fighting would cause a collapse. Yeah. So that's that was clearly, you went, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and you think, well, maybe you did. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there was a bomb inside of it, so that was clearly something pretty rough. Yeah, so the the fail-safe is no longer there. So, therefore, now she she uh, takes over and surprises everyone, including Vincent, because he was thinking she's a drone or whatever at that point. And they all start fighting the other soldiers and the military base goes into lockdown and we've got Act 3, don't we? Act three and the, yeah, we get uh, the race of Vincent to get to the computer system. So they're trying to get him out, and he goes, "No, I've got to go back and yeah, get, get my daughter, get my daughter." And this is, "Oh, but you'll die or what have you." Yeah, 
they go back anyway because that's what you got to do. Yep. And he gets there, and he and, and we find out that Thompson actually couldn't delete his daughter because Suri had changed the passwords. Yeah. And yeah, so like this is like a, a revolution now. They're they're the future. Yeah. And she confronts Thompson, obviously more powerful, and he says, you know, pleads with her not to kill him. And she goes, oh, I'm not going to kill you. And she just gives him a lobotomy, basically. Yeah, I'm going to make squishes you so his... what you tried to do to me, uh, yeah. stop you from feeling. Yeah, so she just like kind of squishes his brain together, which is quite awful. <laughs> yeah, and for, um, yeah, for a movie that didn't mind a little bit of stabbing and blood, I think they used their quotient up with the pen attack. Yeah. So they went, oh, or maybe they couldn't come up with a decent special effect for a finger going into the brain. <laughs> and just going, well, we'll do it off screen. It's, yeah, kind of, it's a bit crunch. gruesome. Anyway. Maybe yeah. we'll go to rate R rating if we show that anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then they leave. And as they leave the machine, um, uh, she's she downloads Mary's brain scan effectively to her computer or whatever, I suppose. And Suri and machine and Vinny all escape. As they're escaping out of the actual barracks, Dawson's mum from earlier in the film yeah. is there, still hobbling around in the dark. <laughs> and I, and I think this is kind of the the learning the finale, yeah. as it were. Like, yeah. so the reversal was when he had to confront Thompson, and now he's gone and said, "Okay, no, here's all the information yeah. you needed about Go, your son. Do it. Do it. Your thing. Yeah. And you, you've got to think, okay, that's it's kind of like." All the soldiers and they're all dead. She's going to go in there, reveal the information to yeah. the world yeah. that this is happening. Yeah, uh, is that a bad thing? Because now China wins. I don't know. Yeah, but I suppose that that's the question of the film, isn't it? That humanity, that ethical, as yeah. you even summed up earlier, like cheating the game. Yeah, because is China really doing the same thing? We don't know. This is the whole oh, point. Man, you know, the cold, the cold war is like. I'm going to build the best damn machine to outwit your machine, but what if you're sitting there going, "We're not building well, a machine." Well, this is the whole like the whole setup for the CIA MK Ultra program. Yeah, that happened. It was deep in the Cold War, the 1950s. They terrified that Russia had somehow found a way to brainwash people into unknowing assassins. Yeah, or to convert. Uh, U.S. citizens into Russian spies. <laughs> yeah, and so this, they're, they're saying, well, how could they do this? So we need to catch up to that. We mm. will do everything we can. And so they, they experimented with a lot of LSD, yeah. which kick-started the whole 60s counterculture movement, in fact, because if you got LSD in the United States from the 50s through to like the 80s, it, it was, was the good stuff. It was the government <laughs> CIA LSD. LSD yeah. And yeah, they were they were gunmen. They had all sorts of weird, terrible, yeah, you know, some pretty ordinary experiments, which yeah. were not too over the top, you know, like ordinary sort of psychological experiments. But then they did, this, you know, dreadful things of you know drugging people without them knowing, and then basically inducing psychoses. And yeah. they had this idea that you could wipe someone's personality by <laughs> drugging them to the eyeballs with LSD and so on, and then, and then- mentally abusing them. And then once they're sort of all broken down, they're just gibbering heat, you would then reprogram and build them up as a yeah. new personality, which is the one that's going to be the assassin. Sure. And you, and you think to yourself, my goodness, that is a really terrible thing. Where do I sign up to do that? But the whole MK Ultra program was based on this idea that Russia was doing even worse yeah. and had succeeded and they got to catch up. Russia had done nothing of the sort. 
<laughs> Any people who had um, defect, they just used the normal sort of thing of like, oh, well, you know, tell us or we'll kill you. Yeah. They'll say, tell us or we kill you. We do. We and do. and then the people will go, um, yeah, I don't I'll tell die. you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the Russian is, good choice. You yeah. die now anyway, but, you know, you expected that. Yes, yeah. At least it'd be quick now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Russians. I know you don't really do that anymore. No. Do you? I don't know. Maybe. I'm sure there must be some. It's a big place. Yeah. A lot of Russians. There's got to be some, you know. Look, there's always going to be a Thompson in the room. There's got to be a Thompson there? in the room. There's always going to be a Thompson in the room. So, And it'd be just... interesting to see uh, what comes out of uh, our current Cold Wars that we yeah. are having, uh, which does involve China a little bit. It's it not does. Like I said war, orcas. But, yeah. we're, we're, we are in Australia training orcas to fight the Chinese. You With know? five we're, eyes. We're, we're, <laughs> we are probably giving them some LSD and we're trying to get them to do, you know, shoot... I just I think that. But anyway, be a, a it, what it turns out there was basically the MK Ultra program, uh, like this robot program, was an ethical, yeah, nightmare. terrible nightmare, yeah. based on a fear only, yes. yep. not a reality. It, R- Russia was not being nearly so terrible as America was. So they were, they, as I said, they're just doing the normal sort of things, trying to get a person into a, a spaceship to the yep. moon, you know, trying to you know not lose scientists, that sort of thing. You know, the normal. The normal Cold War activities, they weren't trying to mind control people. And the, and the message there is kind of the message then in the machine at the end. In the machine, So, that's like, what I think, at yeah. the end, you're right, like, he hands over those documents to Dawson's mum. It's the right, it's kind of the right thing to do. He's yeah. a mother. So you pre- presume because of all this secrecy, they've just told her nothing about her son. Yeah. And so, and, and likewise, at the end of this film, we then have the sunset scene. So the rest of the film's been dark. Yeah. It's been in the shadows. It's it's in this lab, artificial lights, lots of dark alleyways and shadows and all that kind of stuff. You talked about spotlighting earlier. Right at this end, the last book, the last image of the film, we are in a lovely field. The sun is setting. Vinny has his daughter and he's interacting with her, but she's in like a tablet thing or whatever. An iPad. Uh, an iPad of the future. And he wants to keep playing, but she wants to play with mum. A woman in the dress, which is the machine, then takes it from him and and then interacts and walks off and stares at the sun, which, again, she'd been trapped in that lab. Mm. So now she's, as you said, that metaphor of coming out of the cave and, and looking at actually what how beautiful the sun is. And she was getting to experience life. And I think, I mean, the symbol there is that the daughter, even though it's on the machine, wants to play with the machine because it's more like a mum. It's more empathetic mm. versus the way Vinny was. Even though we know Vinny has kind of come out of, you know, the, the ethical debate and now he's on the good side and he's obviously a very brilliant scientist, but he's kind of almost like, the, the, the to me, the message there is like being punished <laughs> yes. as a scientist for doing the unethical things. Well, yeah, your daughter's not as much into you as maybe you wanted. Well, this is because, the case in the cradle yeah, story. It song. is the case. Like that the- he didn't give the daughter enough attention. And, and he's sort of punished because the machine is actually the nicer human, even though now he's on the good side. So I think speak. it also, yeah. by having that sunrise and so forth, this, this Cold War was not nearly as dreadful as was being imagined yeah. by these people. Like there's a bit of a, an echo chamber effect. You're down yeah. in this super secret lab told you've got to come up with some way of winning. Yep. And you're imagining, like, we're doing all of these terrible things. The other guys must be doing even worse. Mm. 
quite likely China was not doing worse. They were probably just doing the standard sort of things of, you know, like making sure that their, you know, roads work and their factories run. And, and here they're probably looking at, um, you know, Taiwan and, and sort of going, how do we get them back in? Because, you know, we, we feel we've been split apart and um, not sure how we're going to go about doing that. And that's sort of been interpreted now. They're going to be sending in, you know, they must have robots and yeah. terrible things. You think, no, they were probably actually just going to, like, I don't know, sail ships over and land yeah. and go, hey, by the way, guys, you're now ours. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing too dramatic. Mm. And so I have a feeling that, yeah, it's it's that same sort of that, as in that, that old Cold War Russian thing where there's this terrible things were done in the name yeah. of the victory. Yeah. But it was just out of fear. Like, yeah, there was, yeah, there was fear. no reality fear, to it, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it's it's a funny one. I think you can look at that like ending that she is the power, like she's got the power over Vincent, but she's not abusing that power as well. No. So she's not the dreadful vision of the future that also Thompson said. Oh, she's you're not gonna unleash it. She's gonna be Skynet, you know, like she's gonna she will invent another version, another version. By all means she might just be mum. Like that's what she'll just live out her days and die, you know. Yeah, She's got a daughter. Yeah. On the iPad. Yeah. Yeah, like why? She doesn't want to do a war. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't want to fight the Chinese. It sounds, so, sounds like a real waste of time, these wars. They do. That brings us to the end of the narrative. Anyway, so we've broken down those key parts. What did you think? What are your sort of aspects? Did we miss anything? Hit us up and let us know on the socials what you thought about the breakdown of the machine. Where is this going on your ladder, sorry? Oh, my goodness, man. This ladder is so big. It's like, I, I swear we're going to have to break this down into trilogies or, or yeah. themes or something here. But I, I think when we get to episode 100, 100 that's what we will that's do. what we're going to do. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll do a new system at episode 101. We're, we're, <laughs> we're creeping our way there. The machine, uh, I put it in there next to Tau. Yeah. Because oh. I, I couldn't help it. Like, two, Me two machines that are... More yeah. human than their creator. That's right. Uh, but yeah, you know, one of them is a um, death house. <laughs> a, a, well, yeah, it was not really. It's just a helpful house, really. Yeah. But it had a psychotic human. Yeah, it did, didn't it as well? Yeah. So and a violent statue. Yeah. <laughs> which is terrifying. Awesome movie, Tal. Go check it out. Yes, very worthwhile. Uh, and I think it would go well with the machine. Yeah. Uh, it's it has a more personal close-up view of an interaction mm. between intelligent artificial intelligence that gains some level of sentience yeah and yeah again that that contrasting of humanity compared to machine yeah so they have to go together i think yeah 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 for me i sort of what we've sort of been talking a lot about lately with the ladder is you know again not ordering a preference but maybe like this idea of oh, if you sat down on a Friday night and you've got a bit, you've got all night to watch movies, you want to go on a movie marathon. Hey, here's a couple of suggestions. Well, me too. I think I like the towel, uh, and then the machine, and then the third one. I thought because I had towel and awake next to each other. I think the machine slotting in between those two would be a really cool trilogy of films because you've got. They're all really ethical, moral mm, kind of films. You know? so the humanity they're, thing. They're really. all about the, you know, as you just said, Tao, the human is the bad guy in this as well. It's not so much all the humans are the bad guys in the machine, but yeah, it is the machine is more human than the others. And Awake as well crosses those ethical barriers. So I just think like, and and with machines as well in, in Awake, like that technology aspect's coming in. So if you wanted to sit down and really kind of 
question humanity, I think those three would be pretty cool in a row. Indeed, indeed, sir. So let us know what you thought about what other type of movies you would like to see next to it and where it goes on your ladder. So, sorry, what is the science that you are going to delve into? Science. Einstein. So I'm going to retouch a little bit on human brain interfaces here Mm. because there's a new report has just come out Uh fresh off the press science.com that is about this very thing so we know neural interfaces have been uh, used well I suppose the very first experiments are 1870 where this guy basically cut Frankenstein. the skull of some dogs <laughs> yeah. and electrocuted the dog's brains. Yeah. And for sure, the idea is Frankenstein came about from this period where they're discovering ah, all of these ideas of humanity. Lightning. But they found that if you apply electric current to different parts of a dog's brain, it did different things. Hmm. You know, sit, nice. roll over, beg, that sort of thing. Actually, well, I think no. most, of the, most of the time it would just kind of twitch and jump about before dying. I mean, that they really didn't respect dogs all that much back in the day. That the, Now it's just mice we do it to, apparently. That's better, I guess, and rhesus monkeys. But asteroid moves forward a bit. So we, we heard that, um, for example, Elon Musk has got a Neuralink company, mm. which is trying to, yeah, that's one of the next, he's sort of trying to help humanity thing, I guess, or make super soldiers, I'm not sure which... I assume, Bit of both. Tr- Bit of both. I assume he's trying to help humanity more than super soldiers. I yeah. mean, he's not a super soldier sort of guy. No. I think he wants cyborg spaceship pilots that can fly through asteroid fields or something. Yeah. That's the sort of thing he would have in mind, yeah, yeah. I think. But we do. We, we haven't really heard much about his thing. I, I think that's just kind of... That's really pie in the sky sort of stuff. Like, he's looking for a real breakthrough mm-hmm. there. What yeah. we do have in reality is... A condition known as uh, a myo. Oh, I had this memorized, and I knew what it was. It's uh, a myotrophic ah, that lateral one. sclerosis. A L S. So A L S is a terrible condition wherein parts of the brain break down revol- uh, that involve movement. So this mm. is where you get locked in syndrome. Right. So yeah, 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 you yeah. know the body's. Uh, the brain's ability to command the body to move slowly breaks down. Mm. And over you know, roughly five years, a person will die from this mm. because they, they, their body will stop moving to the point mm. that everything stops. They can last yeah. a bit longer if you put on ventilator and artificially pump their blood. And But again, in this ethics question, you start moving that field of, well, at some point, we're just turning them into a machine mm. that's organic, you know. Yeah. And when they reach that point, they don't have the ability to communicate their desires. Yeah. So it gets difficult. Uh, you have um, it, it means that very quickly in this ALS progression, this person becomes incapable of interacting as a person, mm. which of course is quite a terrible thing to have happen. As it so happens in 2018, we had this participant uh, who is left unnamed, who had ALS, and before he lost full control, so they had him hooked up to a, a yes-no answer machine, you know, you twitch your eye left, or twitch your eye right, whatever mm. it is. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he volunteered. He said, look, stick your brain implants into me yep. and see how far we can go with this because... Right. You know, what else am I doing, really? <laughs> Enjoying the view, I suppose. I yeah, can't yeah. look anywhere else. I can't yeah. move my eyes. 
can't even blink his eyes. He has to. I'm on my way out. So have have droppers going there. So you know he's he's taken a stand and 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 it could help him. Hmm. So they they stuck these two electrodes into his brain. They have to open up his skull and stick them into his brain. Mm -hmm. They were quite small, about three point two millimeters. Very specific, actually, three point two millimeter squares. For the non-metric folks, that's about an eighth of an inch, mm. which I gather being three millimeters is quite small. Yeah. You know, I think uh, Vinny's implants are pretty small too. Yeah. Uh, Vinny, yeah, we because didn't we, didn't, them, we didn't really see anything go in there. There was a scar on the side. They had to open up the head, but you'd imagine they must have been yeah. minute, like yeah. uh, microscopic, in fact, yeah. because these implants they put in. Uh, now, we have a, a real problem with brain-human interfaces in that we know the rough location of you know different parts of the brain and what they are responsible for so we know uh-huh. where the uh, motor neurons are where yeah. movement comes from yeah but we have no way of knowing what does what or uh-huh. how yeah because every brain is different yeah it all it grows organically <laughs> through your experiences yeah, yeah. And uh, and it also rewires things. So you does. get brain injuries. Yeah. The actor who played um, Dawson, the fellow with half his skull mm. missing there, that's a real guy who suffered a you know a, a brain injury. Yeah. And as you can see, because he's working as an actor in this case, he's, he has he has rewired his brain and overcome yeah. many of his difficulties. You know, yeah. he he can walk, he can talk, he can yeah. reason. You know, he's he's. I'm not, I've never met the guy, so I don't know what he's like as a person. But the Functioning. brain, the brain will rework itself yeah. to an extent. Yeah, stroke victims will relearn yeah, to walk. There's but, that famous Australian doctor who's a specialist of strokes, and she had a stroke, and then she—I don't know her name—but she retrained a part of her brain to kind of overcome the stroke. Yeah, and then was able to express what it's like to have a stroke which is very rare you know because people yes. quite often suffer a stroke and then go downwards you know and, and they also don't have the language or they, knowledge yeah, to be able quite to often a stroke means you can't and there was also an american neurologist sorry i spat that out a bit weird um who i think he fell down he had some sort of accident like he fell down a set of stairs and bec- and got a head injury where he couldn't walk it, it, it damaged that part of his brain, mm. but he decided he, he was fully capable. And he once he once he was sort of like you know in the, he was in a wheelchair and stuff. He made the decision: what if you could shift that part of your brain to another part? And that's what he did. He actually, over the course of I think three years, uh, trained himself, and he was able to then walk up a flight of stairs. Dude, like, he's just incredible. tempting like, fate, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> but he deliberately did that, yeah, and because everyone said you're never going to walk again. Yeah, like you've you've severely damaged that part of your brain. You can't walk again. Yeah, any, any so day. as you can tell, if yeah. you're trying to create an implant that allows a locked-in person to be able to communicate, mm. so you you go and put these electrodes where you think, but then he's alive. How do you do it? So and and they lightning. Is, sorry, lightning. Lightning. Well, yeah. Well, so lightning what they the did bottle. with this fellow mm. is they they strapped him to a table and raised him up through the roof of a castle. All right. Yes. Okay. And struck him with like, yeah. no. no so he had a. That's a Hollywood. There's version. this research team in the University of uh, Tübingen, and Tübingen. Correct me if I got that pronunciation incorrectly. There's if you're little, listening in Tübingen, there's an umlaut there. Up. Tübingen. Uh, in so this is 2018. So it's it's Probably been easier. a while that they've been studying this. 
So they went through many different things. They got consent from him while he was still able to, mm. because this was the important thing, and from his family. Yeah. They, they put these implants in where they thought they could. Uh-huh. And then for about three months, they tried, you know, to get him to communicate using them. They tried uh-huh. to pick up, you know, like, okay, try and, you know, do stuff. Mm. Uh, like, try to move your eyes. And, like, the electrodes would register something. They kind of go, oh, did that do it? And they go, okay, try to move your hands. Oh, registering a bit of something, but did that, like, they, they, yeah. there's no good. They couldn't identify it. And like in the movie, so the movie, the... Uh, machine got its basic intelligence from asking questions and interacting and getting feedback. So what they did here is they went, okay, so maybe the problem is that, you know, we, we ask uh, our subject to do something and we don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. they, they used a bit of feedback. So they used a, uh, a tone, which is probably from, probably from a sine wave generator. It's really annoying, irritating tone. But And they could say, you know, do whatever it is you want to do or uh-huh. think you can do to make the tone go higher in pitch. Right. And then do something to make it go lower in pitch. Mm. He was in control of what he did mm. to do it. And so there was a lot of playing around with it on, you know, how how is he going to do it? You know, so this is kind of a bit of a puzzle for the patient, Yeah. in fact. But then eventually, by, by about day 12, he could match target pitches. So they go, make it this pitch. Beep. Yeah. And so he'd go, do whatever he did in his brain yeah. and raise the pitch up and match the pitch and then yeah, right. lower it. And being able to raise and lower it, they went, okay, great. Now we can use yes, no. Yeah. And they, they present, they, they do these um, letter groups. Mm. So they go, you know, if he wants to spell out a word, is your letter in the first half of the alphabet? Yes. And if it is, okay, is it in the first half of the first half of the alphabet? And you you do this called a binary search yeah. and you cut down until it's between two letters and mm. is it... A, a or is it B, be, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so he was then able to, after about three weeks, he was able to start producing sentences. Yeah, right. So, so he could, one of the first things he asked for is to be moved. <laughs> it's like, I'm not comfortable. You just shift me a bit. Yeah. And they went, oh, like, and this is, a, this is a big breakthrough because yeah. how many of these poor people who are at this sort of state where they're going, yeah, my back is just killing me. My back's itchy. If, if someone, someone could just it. shift me up a little bit, yeah, it'd be yeah. great. Uh, and importantly, he could then talk to his son yeah, and right. tell him you know, that he loved his son and he could talk to his wife. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a lot. There's, I think there's uh, 107 of the 135 days they reported in the study that he was able to match a series of target tones at 80% accuracy. So... It was clearly a difficult thing for him to do, yeah. but with that feedback, he was able to use this implant. Mm. The interesting thing here, I think, and the application of science fiction, is in the machine, they were sort of wanting to put an implant into the human brain that was smart enough to be able to do something to the brain, to fix it. Mm. Yep. But I think the actual research is showing we should do it the other way around, is all we have to do is put enough sensors in and provide feedback and we're smart enough to, you know, to do it the other direction. Right. So if we can go, well, I'm going to try and do this, think like this, and then the thing you want to do starts doing the thing you want it to do. <laughs> it just, yeah, it becomes muscle memory. It becomes yeah. standard cognition. It becomes an extension of yourself. Yeah, so I actually right. think that in this science fiction film, 
where they're trying to cure people with these implants, what we're finding is the research is showing that we can cure ourselves given the technology. We can mm -hmm. give the brain tools to use and feedback and we will figure it out ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this this treatment that they've set up, or this not treatment, this, this uh, you might call it a speech prosthesis, is still a bit shonky. There's a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff they want to do to fix it. Uh, it would cost about you know, half a million dollars per patient at the moment to sort of set up and do. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, though, it's not just this ALS, which is a, you know, it's a terrible death thing, but there's uh, any other number of pe people who get caught in, uh, what did what did Stephen Hawking have, for example? Mm. And he sort of had to, you know, twiddle his hand a little bit to try and spell things out. Mm. Imagine a better brain interface there. Yeah. It would be much quicker to write books. <laughs> you know, it took him a long time to write, but he probably probably actually he was quicker at writing books than me. But he's, you know, a, a better brain interface would allow better communication. Mm. Better communication would mean you know better interaction, better quality of life. Mm, yeah. So yeah, there, there we go. I think that's that's quite an improvement step forward. And I am curious to see where old Elon goes with his Neuralink. Mm. Whether that Neuralink to his Starlink, and you can download things to people's brains. Yeah, like unfortunately, super that, soldiers. It will only connect you to the boring company. <laughs> oh God, brain the size of a planet, and I'm connected <laughs> to the boring company. For some reason, I want to. I'm thinking of Elon Musk. I can't get him out of my brain. He would do really well on Twitter, I think. <laughs> I should yes. follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Twitter. I should I should buy shares in Twitter and then vote for him to buy my shares in Twitter. That oh, that must make sense. That's smart. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there you go, Elon. If you want to come on Space yeah, Brains, we'd be happy to have you. We want to talk to you about Neuralink. Yeah, Neuralink. And we cool. want and we want Teslas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drive around Tesla's big space brain logos all stuck it over. Yeah, we, let's, let's 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 get straight to the it's Tesla a, it's point. A, it's let's get it's a good mix over, isn't it? Okay, that's terrific. Yeah. So what did you think about Surrey's dive on the science of the machine brain interfaces? Eon, what did you think? Well, all right. I thought it was really brilliant. You guys are awesome. Oh, thanks, Elon. Oh, thanks, Elon. Thanks for popping into the studio. All right, so that takes us to the end of tonight's episode of The Machine. Uh, we'll be moving on to next episode in a moment. I'll reveal what we're going to do because that's a classic. Ooh, but before we get there... Episode 80. It is episode 80, classic. Um, before we get there and announce what that is, hit us up on the socials. Find us on wherever you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, give us a rating. Five stars. Go check out filmfestival.spacebrains.com.au. Yeah. Buy a ticket to the festival if you can. I'm just trying to think now. The festival's about a month away. Is this episode? Yeah, this episode will be out before yeah, that. Yeah, so you got a few you weeks. still got so, time. So, look, you know, if you're anywhere in Australia, the borders of WA are open. Yeah, as long oh, as you're so, vaccinated. Yeah, the vaccination requirements are still there, but I think most people are. I think so. But yeah, just telling, just saying, just saying. Yeah, yeah just saying. But yeah, yeah, you'll need to, you'll need to do that. And yeah, uh, I don't know what this, the state of testing is, and so but you'll yeah. figure it out yeah. if you figure it out. It's if you're a sci-fi fan, you'll figure trip. it out. Yeah, jump in your car about now and start driving because it does take about that long. Yeah, it and uh, you've got plenty of uh, audio material to listen to on your journey over because we've done seventy-nine episodes now. Uh, head on over to Mandra and come on down to the Space Brain Sci-Fi Film Festival. We hope to see you there. Hit us up on the socials. We're on Instagram, TikTok, 
We're not really on Eon's thing any much more, are we? On Twitter, Twitter. we are there. I, I don't, yeah, I don't. I find yeah. it's a, a uh, don't top, say it. Musk will never come on the I show. <laughs> I find it's a great place to listen to Elon Musk and his views. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I wouldn't bother. Just only listen to him. Yeah, just follow him. <laughs> uh, and of course, good old the metaverse of uh, meta. Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg's um, meta. <laughs> get on his meta. Anyway, so you know where to find us, plus website, email, etc. Let us know what you're thinking. Have you been listening all along? I'd love to know someone that's listened to 79 episodes. And next episode, sorry, this is next one episode. that is going to cause a bit of controversy. Controversy. I think because we're going to just watch the original I think Blade we'll watch Runner. the original theatrical release of Blade Runner. Yeah, okay. So we're going the original we're not doing the director's cut. I know that in its own self is going to cause mm. ripples in the film community everywhere around and the world. Yeah, you know, if we get enough feedback, we might do another episode of the bits, best bits of the director's cut. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. But let's let's just let's just stick with the theatrical edition in this instance, and we shall try not to fight get into a fight with a replicant. <laughs> Yeah, we'll avoid that. We'll avoid that. No, I meant you and I fighting over Blade Runner. We'll get there. Stay tuned for next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.